Hi, this is Chuck Wolf, uh, WPKN 89.5 FM. You're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And um, I wanted to just say to everybody that's listening that this is um, the end of summer is uh, is when you're listening to this show. If you're listening to it on an archive, but if you're listening live today, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. It's one of those really hot days that are going to be happening and it's uh, it's going to be a beach day. And so perhaps a lot of people are heading to the beaches today if you're lucky enough to be able to have some time off. And if you want to uh, call in and speak with me, the uh, the call-in number is 203-336-9756. And the phones look like they're working today, which is a good thing. And so uh, if you'd like to talk to me about something where you want to take the wheel and control how you feel, give me a call and um, we'll do that. I also want to talk a little bit about the end of summer because we're at the place where summer is coming to an end for many people and the end of summer often means uh, children are going back to schools and in the past we knew what that was about but it's very strange in COVID times where we don't really know if kids are going back to school full time. It seems like that's the plan. Uh, There's possibly the options of mask or not mask. There's uh, remote learning, virtual learning versus being in school learning. And um, all that's still, I think, being decided in many school uh, locales. And I hope for as many schools that can do this safely, that you get your kids back in school um, if it's possible to space without masks so people can see each other's faces and and have conversations with each other without trying to um, without it being mumbled or garbled because of masks, that'd be great. But I also understand the safety concerns and why masks may be um, one of the strategies that are employed again uh, to help protect people from COVID. So uh, a lot of that's a little unclear. So as the end of summer comes around, there's a lot of emotional stuff happening for people. And um, I know it's it's been a tough year for so many um, in education. My daughter's a special needs teacher in, um, <clears throat> in one of the school districts here in Connecticut. Um, of course, um, and we raised our family and, uh, you know, and many of you have raised children or have children still in schools. And you're wondering what's going on. What's going on? We have grandchildren, too, that are in schools. And so it's one of those things where you try as hard as you can to be helpful. You try not to um, let politics enter the conversations when you're trying to do what's safe. Uh, and yet we, we struggle a lot these days with um, being able to talk to one another when our opinions are different. And so sometimes that's part of what people are struggling with these days. And if you want to talk a little bit about that and trying to Think about how the emotion roadmap might help sort that out for you. Um, I'm happy to have that conversation. It's something I've thought about a lot, and I'm willing to talk about that today and happy to if, if I can be helpful to you. For those of you that are new to the show, the show is about helping people deal with emotionally challenging situations. Uh, what I mean by that is that many times uh, there's families that have emotionally challenging situations uh, at home. Uh, there are people who are having emotionally challenging situations in the workplace, uh, in their neighborhoods, in their community organizations, um, perhaps with government, perhaps with um, with teams that you may be a part of or groups that you belong to. So there's lots of different places where um, challenging situations arise. And lots of times we just work through them without thinking a whole lot about them, and they seem to work themselves out. We may get frustrated, disappointed, mad, feel um, a little bit um, off about some of the relationships we have in our world. But, you know, lots of times it just kind of works itself out. But every so often we have something that really challenges us and causes us to really be confounded, um, uncertain, doubtful about how to proceed. And in those cases, especially when the stakes are high, um, this emotion roadmap that I talk about on my radio show now in my 12th year, uh, coming up um, December, we'll begin the 13th year. It seems like a really long time to be on the radio. Um, anyway, when, you saw, when this all um, happens to you and you feel like you're really challenged by something emotionally, then this shows the answer to that, at least potential answer to it, in the sense that there's a concept I call an emotion roadmap. Again, new listeners... Uh, I'll explain it a little bit more, but for those of you that are regular listeners, you've heard this a lot, which is this idea that if something is um, 
is uh, a difficult and unsolvable situation, at least that's how it seems or appears, then um, it's often, in my experience with smart people, really good critical thinkers, that it's because there are emotions involved. Now, if you stop and you just think for a moment about a situation in your own life where there's some strong emotions at play, that you're uncertain about what's going to happen if you engage in certain conversations that you may feel you need to have but are worried about having because of fears of escalation or, be fear, uh, or fears of uh, raising somebody's anger, um, making things worse instead of better. And, and even when we've been educated about some of these things, about how to handle social and emotional um, learnings and dealings in life, um, we've, we're getting more education these days, which is a, which is a really good thing. But still, often it's, it really breaks down. And when we try to apply those learnings to real life, it seems to be a struggle for many of us on, on many different occasions. And so when people are struggling with somebody at home, you know, a loved one, a child, um, an adult child, a teenager, a spouse, a partner, uh, an aging parent, uh, a grandparent that lives with you, or a parent that lives with you, but your children's grandparent that might live with you, um, relatives in general um, who don't manage to meet your expectations somehow, and yet they're still in your life because you love them and they're, they're family, and they're, they're, they're not somebody you can really let go of at least not easily, and not with really feeling a great loss. So anyway, people might call about things with family. Then there's, of course, all the jobs. And jobs are really interesting because they're changing today. And it's a lot of unknown territory because so much of what we did in our jobs in the past had a lot to do with how we navigated the office when we were in, inside working. This is uh, even true about maybe working in, uh, in, in plants or factories where you might be on the floor with people. And it wasn't about being promoted necessarily. But it was just having relationships where you had made friendships. You had somebody to talk to about um, the latest Netflix or Disney series that you were watching. Or you were in talking to somebody about a vacation that you just came back from. Or you wanted to talk about a sports team that you follow. Um, so uh, any of those things are sort of missing when you're working remotely at home. You know, when you have lunch, you're having lunch maybe in your pajamas, <laughs> you know, because if you're not on Zoom meetings of some kind, then you, your work is just uh, whatever you want to wear or whatever you, whenever you want to eat. And, and often it's able you're able to work different hours. So if you wanted to take time out and go see your child's uh, basketball game or concert series or, you know, solo um, vocalist uh, performance, uh, you take a couple hours out and you work a couple hours more in the evening or something, you know. So it, there's a lot of changes in our lives these days. And how do we navigate all of that white water that's out there? We're not used to surfing the rapids or riding our kayaks and canoes in the rapids. You know, we're, we're kind of like uh, most of us steady stream folks, kind of like to have some stability, a lot of predictability, a lot of certainty in our lives. And life has been anything but certain in this last couple of years. We thought COVID was behind us, and now it feels like COVID's right back here with us. Not to the same degree for those that are vaccinated, um, but even that gets challenged, right? I mean, whether vaccinations are problematic, seems to me, even with whatever discoveries they're finding about the vaccines being problematic, personally, I'm a fan of getting it. I think it's a great idea to get the vaccine because while there is some risk in getting the vaccine, just like there's risk in lots of things that we do, it seems like the benefits, in my mind at least, far outweigh the downside. You know, when people talk to me early on about should we get vaccinated or not, I said, look, I am privileged in that I have, um, you know, my daughter is a scientist and she's a really good scientist and a chemist and understands, you know, the uh, chemistry and to some degree the biology behind the, um, the vaccinations, you know, the science behind them. Uh, and her and her husband is also a PhD chemist, and so um, and they study the data, and they really do follow the science. And so um, we've listened to them, but it wasn't just them that said, "Hey, 
Listen, all of you that were telling us as family members, you need to get that vaccine as soon as you can. But I also follow the powerful and the, and the very wealthy who have access to the greatest scientific minds um, that are out there, and um, they couldn't wait to get the vaccines. So it seemed, it seemed like to me a really good idea to get it as soon as we could, and we did. And so we're vaccinated. Uh, and I hope that you are too. And I hope that if you're, you know, perhaps just not certain about it, that you think about what I've said and hopefully you make the decision to get vaccinated because it does seem that while there are there are dangers, I, I won't say that there isn't evidence of some concerns. At the same time, it seems like the benefits are far better and that the people that do get COVID for the most part these days, when they have what they call them breakthrough cases, seems like those cases at least, um, there's very little symptoms and it's not typically the long COVID and it's not also hospitalizations or deaths. And that many of the people that are still having real serious problems with COVID um, are those who have been uh, continue to choose to be unvaccinated. And I don't, I don't want to call anybody stupid for that. And I, I think that's a mistake too. I don't want to make anybody defensive about their choices. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a fan of government um, staying out of people's lives as much as possible. Um, but at the same time, I recognize workplaces can make the decisions that, hey, you want to work here, you got to be vaccinated. You got a choice, you can work someplace else. But, you know, as an owner of our business, we want to protect everybody and we, we need you to be vaccinated if you're going to work for us. I get that too. And I, I know everybody's got opinions about all these things. <laughs> um, but anyway, those are mine. So if you want to call in about something going on in your life, and uh, one of the things I thought might be kind of fun to talk about if you, if you uh, have a, a nice story, as an uplifting story, is about some part of the summer that was really special for you. A lot of times I like to try to bring people up. Sometimes the end of summer is kind of a sad time for folks. You know, it's again, it can be exciting because a lot of people are going back to school, and that's exciting for everybody with families, with children that are going back either to um, into, the, you know, K through 12 schools or they're going to college or some kind of vocational st- school training. Um, and by the way, folks, it seems like there's lots of jobs out there that are being unfilled that are really good paying jobs. So you have to see if you can find some way to get some training for yourselves if you're still unemployed and you're looking not to go back to the same job you had, which was a lower, uh, a lower paying job perhaps, but some of the better jobs. Find out from the state what's, what's available, what training is available, and see if you can get yourself involved. Um, there seem to be a lot of really good opportunities out there, and I hope people um, find ways to take advantage of them. So if you get something in the workplace that you want to talk about, I know um, last time I was on the show, um, I had talked about change and the transformative change. And I'll talk a little bit about a panel I just participated in, which was really interesting. I got asked to be part of a panel on equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility. Now, I'm positive that most of you listening to this radio station have heard the terms equity, diversity, and inclusion a lot lately but maybe not so much about accessibility. And that was really fascinating. There was a woman who is a person who she says is on, she says about herself, she's on the autism scale and she also has hearing loss and she's also a mother and she's raising a family and she has her own business and she wants to be seen as someone with needs. She's very clear. She doesn't want to be seen as someone with special needs. She makes the case that we all have needs we all have special needs, <laughs> and she doesn't want to be singled out and and looked at as if she's someone who can't do what other people can do. <clears throat> a really fascinating person. I hope at some point maybe I'll have her on the air. Um, it'd be fun to possibly have her. And another fellow I'm working with was working with people on the autism scale, which to me is um, just really neat stuff that these folks are doing. So uh, maybe perhaps one day I'll have them on as guest. But anyway, if you... Um, if you want, we can talk. I'll talk a little bit about that. And, and my role in that was um, transformative change. When you want change to happen and you want change to be real and you want change to be sustainable, you have to pay attention to the emotions that people have around those changes. And so that was my role in, in, the, um, in the session. I might be able to play a clip of that for the radio show in the future when I get a copy of the recording. I thought it was a really interesting uh, panel discussion. It was really a lot of fun to participate in it. 
and hopefully um, I gave people some ideas that they can use. At the same time, I learned a lot myself from the other people on the panel. It was really interesting. Uh, but again, if you want to call in, the number is 203-331-9756. 203, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forget that. 203-336-9756. 336-9756. And uh, I'm Chuck Wolf. You're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And again, for new listeners, the show's about people calling in with emotionally challenging situations that uh, might be of concern to them and things that are problematic in their lives at this point and they're uncertain how to proceed. And using this template or process called the Emotion Roadmap is a way that I help people kind of walk through the emotions that are underpinning their concern, their doubtfulness, their uncertainty, and helps them to be more clear on different kinds of options for moving forward than they seem to be able to think about without this process. It's almost like magic sometimes. And for regular listeners, you know that that's how it seemed at times. People call up and they feel like, hey, I'm pretty hopeless around this issue. And let me tell you about it. And I usually ask you to tell me a little bit about what's going on. A uh, very condensed version of what's going on because it's only a one-hour show that I'm on. And by the way, I'm on the year the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, you're listening to WPKN, and we're in Bridgeport. We're going to stay in Bridgeport. We've been broadcasting from the University of Bridgeport. Well, we're moving downtown. And so in the next couple of months, we're going to move. I'm uh, <laughs> telling the general manager, it feels like we're moving from... Uh, and like a, like a time like a time zone change, we're moving from the Flintstones <laughs> to the Jetsons. If you catch the metaphor at all, everything's got to be brand new. And we've been in this station over fifty years, and there's a lot of things here that have a tremendous ambiance around. You know, things that were happening way back in the '60s and '70s, and and still continue to have that sort of aura around it. And now we're going into a modern age, but it's going to allow us so much more talk about accessibility accessibility to the community i believe we're going to be in in downtown bridgeport and that's very exciting for all of us but also yeah it's a little sad when you leave something behind that's another thing i'd mention if you want to talk a little bit about summer vacations can you think of a summer vacation you had that was really wonderful that you want to share because it, again sometimes i really like the show to be uplifting and sometimes there's a sadness comes with the end of summer but one of the ways we hold on to our feelings of really positive feelings about the summer is we think about things that are memories that generate those same positive feelings about times that we've been together when we've gone off and traveled. Um, I'll tell you about one that I had that was a pretty neat experience. Um, we had the experience of um, going to Hawaii. One time in my career, it's, I've done lots of different things over my career, but one of the, one of the um, times that I was working, I was working for the Hartford Insurance Company, and I was the director of leadership development for them for 10 years. And uh, over the, in the beginning of that time frame, the company was owned by ITT. So some of you that have been in Connecticut for a long time and know the Hartford know that story. But ITT was this giant holding company, ITT Corporation, and they own lots of other companies, uh, but lots of different companies. Sometimes you have companies that are related to one another, and so there's advantages to bringing them together. But ITT was more, Harold Janine was the, was the uh, leader of the company for a long time, and he was sort of a collector of companies, and he was driven by numbers. He was driven by numbers more than the idea of businesses and strategic businesses coming together. He was just looking for ways to raise ITT's profile, productivity, and profitability. And he was a genius at it. Uh, didn't always like the way he operated or the way he led, but um, you couldn't argue with his financial success because he was very financially successful for a long time. Anyway, one of the trips that I had was to Hawaii because uh, Hartford had some offices in Hawaii. And I thought, if I'm going to Hawaii... And I've got work that I can do there for the Hartford. I'm going to see if I can bring my family with me. And uh, it turned out we were able to go in the summertime when the, I, my three daughters um, were, were young then. And they're still young, young, a lot younger than me, but they were, they were kids. They were in school. And uh, they're all adults now with their own families. This is a wonderful memory because we went, and uh, at the time, the ITT also owned the Sheraton Corporation. 
And the Sheraton Corporation had a property that they owned at the time. I don't think uh, now it's Starwood, and then it got by Bar- by Marriott. Anyway, so it's a lot of different owners over the years. But I, I don't. I'm not sure who owns this property now. But it's called the Royal Hawaiian or the Pink Palace, and it's right in the downtown Honolulu. But in uh, in Honolulu, if you've ever been. Uh, it's a very busy commercial place, and it feels sort of like New York City, to me anyway, with a beach <laughs> right right on on its border. But um, but you, you, if you walk inside, if you walk inside, there's sort of a, a walled area where the pink palace or Royal Hawaiian Hotel sits. And there's this amazingly beautiful courtyard that the grounds are, you know, are just tremendous looking. And... Anyway, I knew I was going to be going out there, and it was going to be for two weeks. And I asked, I called the hotel, and I said, look, I'm director of leadership development with the Hartford. I'm going to be out doing some work, and I'm wondering if it's at all possible. The company's going to pay for a standard room, but is there a chance for an upgrade? And um, sometimes they would accommodate that if they could when you know when you were part of the same ownership com- of companies, and we were all ITT members. And uh, they said, let's see what we can do for you, Mr. Wolf." And they gave us this amazing suite of rooms. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, I, well, I didn't get anything. You know, again, the Hartford, when they paid for it, they paid just for the um, a standard room because that's what they were going to pay for, for me being out there. Um, but the hotel was nice enough to upgrade us. And we had a spectacular time. It was our first time in Hawaii. The beach was beautiful. Uh, we spent some time on Diamond Head, the the, the mountain that, that lots of people, if you go to Honolulu, if you're into climbing and hiking up mountains, we, we climbed a big part of that. We saw beautiful sunrises and sunsets. We went out to visit um, lots of beautiful um, gardens and sort of rainforest areas and did some snorkeling. And, and you know, it was I was able to do that in part because I was willing to ask. I was willing to ask. And... And at the time, there was room and it was available, and the hotel was gracious enough to host us. And one of my friends who said that, um, a good friend of mine has been a, a, a great colleague and friend and, um, and client over the years, uh, was a general manager with the Sheraton. And he said, how did you get those rooms? We, we don't get them as general manager in the Sheraton. I said, I don't know. I just called and asked. And they said, okay. So anyway, so that was a great memory. It was our first time in Hawaii. We went to the... Polynesian Cultural Center, which, uh, again, you know, some people have some issues with the way that's all run and everything. But to me, it was fantastic. It was it was an introduction to lots of different cultures, the Polynesian cultures. The kids had a ball, lots of interactive um, activities and things to see and learn and just really an amazing experience. I've been to Hawaii several times, and I've really always liked it. The only problem I have with Hawaii is living on the East Coast is an awful long time ride to get there. Anyway, so that's a memory for us. All the kids really have wonderful, warm memories of, of the island. And it's kind of fun when I think about it. To, I feel some of those feelings I had when I was there. And so I encourage you to call in if you've got a story that you can share about a vacation that you took. It was kind of fun for you and you want to share that. I'll give you a minute to call. Also, if you just want to call about something going on in your life that you'd like to ask about and to see how the Emotion Roadmap can help you. That's the beauty of the show. The idea of the show is if you call me and I help you with the, using the emotion roadmap, that other people can learn from it as well. So the number to call is 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. And I'll wait a minute for you. Two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. Well, since I don't have anybody uh, on hold or trying to call in, um, I'll tell you a little bit about this panel that I was in. Um, this was interesting. So uh, I imagine you've heard some things about equity, diversity, inclusion. And also, um, I'm sure you've maybe heard a little bit about, but not thought as much about accessibility for people who might have some different needs. I don't want to call them special, but different needs than what a typical person might have coming into a workplace. And um, how do we make the workplaces feel right for everybody? 
How do we bring equity and diversity and inclusion and accessibility to the forefront of people's minds in ways that um, change how we operate, that we don't just continue to do things the way we've always done things? And so, again, I'd be happy to, to chat a bit about that. But let me, let me give you a chance to call again. It's always more fun for me anyway, and I think for you as well, is if people want to call in. So the number is 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. And you're listening to Chuck Wolf. This is the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. Uh, you're tuned to WPKN in Bridgeport. 89.5 FM, Independent Community Radio, broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport, serving Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield counties in Connecticut, and Suffolk County in New York's Long Island. We stream around the world at WPKN.org, tune in radio, um, and or our app you can listen to in WPKN Live, and I guess on your smart speakers now, you can just tell Siri or Alexa to play WPKN Radio. So, um, again, 203-336-9756. If you've got a memory, a pleasant memory about the summer, that'd be great to hear. Um, it's a way of holding on to the summer a little bit. And if you're excited about the fall and you want to talk about where you're going and what's, what's coming up for you in the near future, that'd be fun to listen to as well. So, um well, I hope to hear from you at some point this uh, hour. I've got about another 25 minutes. It'd be fun to talk to you. 203-336-9756. Last week I had a show on that was um, Sula's, like doulas. Uh, a friend of mine over the years, Deborah Randolph-Price, uh, is a woman who I've known for a long time. We were worked together at Hartford Insurance for a number of years and have stayed in touch over the years. And... Um, Deborah and a good friend of hers have put together this, you know, this this idea of sulas, which is a word that is uh, sounds like doulas, like doulas, you know, giving birth that help mothers give birth. Sulas are women that are helping other women realize and give birth to their dreams. That's that's the idea behind the show. If you missed the show, uh, I'll put it put it up on podcast, I guess, this week. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I, uh, we had a couple of their clients that are really thrilled with their organization. And um, I think it's it kind of helped get them some publicity for what they're doing. It's pretty cool stuff. And uh, if you're, again, if you missed the show, I'll, it'll be on SoundCloud or iTunes probably by the end of the week. I'll try and get that up. Um, and then the other conversation I thought I'd share with you today um, since I don't have anyone calling in at the moment, I'll give you the number again, though, just in case, 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. Okay. So I had the role of trying to, first of all, I was the only white male on this panel. Um, there were some people of color and some, and they, all of them were women and uh, one person with, um, you know, a transgender person. And so this was um, kind of unique that I got to be the only white male. And I guess I represent in some ways all white males when you <laughs> have that role on a panel like that. Um, so, you know, first off was I going to be asked questions about my privilege and, you know, how does it feel to be the only person on the panel with that privilege? But I didn't really get any questions like that. Uh, and but I, I did address it. I did at least say, you know, I'm obviously the white the white man on the panel with privilege, and I recognize that. And my role here is to talk about why that hopefully doesn't matter in the future. And that while everyone looks for privileges, I'm sure we all like it when we get privileges. Um, needs to be a more fair marketplace, if you will. And how do you make it more fair? And what, what is holding people back from fairness? Why don't people just want to be fair anyway? Well, for the most part, most people, I think, find that um, if things are going well for them, they're not really thinking a whole lot about other things. Sometimes just getting through your day, you know, getting up in the morning, getting your kids ready for school, you know, figuring out what you're going to have for three meals if you're eating home, if you're going anywhere, what your plans are for getting there. I mean, every day is filled with lots of things, including some personal time where we try to relax if we've got that 
possibility in our calendars that we have at least a few minutes a day or an hour or two a day that we might relax. Uh, and we're not really using that time to think about somebody else who may not be privileged because, frankly, we're just exhausted a lot of the time. Or at least we're not in tune with people different from us who are experiencing lots of problems related to those differences. Uh, now, some, of course, are more attuned to that than others, but lots of people don't do it out of um, maliciousness. They just, they're just trying to get through the day. Doesn't that feel right to some of you, at least? Well, what's going to change things? How do we change things? And I think part of this is that it's an emotional issue. And that was my role on the panel, was to talk about the emotions involved, right? So how do we do that? How do we get the emotions involved? Um, looks like we've got a call, but it's, I think, for the office. Okay, so again, the number to call for the to talk to me is 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. So my role wasn't to tell anybody how to make this work because... Um, I'm not the person who's being impacted by this in the ways that so many other people on that panel were. Um, but I have been around it, and because I think a lot about other people's feelings, because that's the nature of what I've done all my life, professionally and personally, it seems like to me that one of the ways that we create sustainable change is if we peel back the onion, if you will. I think that's a decent metaphor for understanding that when we look at a behavior— and we say, hey, that behavior isn't right. And the person we're talking to, or even if we're talking to ourselves, and we say, hey, that behavior is not a helpful behavior, right? If that's not a helpful behavior, well, let me try and pick this up in case this is for us. Hi, this is Chuck Hi, Wolf. Hi, Chuck. This is Stephanie from Roxbury. How are you? Good. Could you turn your radio down? Yep. yep. Thanks so much. There we go. Of course. No, I, I'm following everything you're saying. I'm listening to you. It's so funny you're talking about these things. Because I, I last night with a friend of mine, a dear friend, talking about peeling back the onion. Oh, that's funny. Okay, I got the metaphor right now. Absolutely. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely, you do. And I love your sensitivity. I love your feeling for humanity. Thank you. And I'm here to talk with you. Thank you so much, My Stephanie. Son, oh, dear. My son is currently in Bridgeport Correctional right now. Oh, he was arrested last last month. I'm sorry. And I just went to the hospital. I have cancer, but I, oh. I don't mean to play violins to you, dear, but I have a moment to talk with you about emotion and how we care for one another, what's going on. Sure, sure. Well, why don't you take the lead, Stephanie? What would you like to talk about? Well, I'd like to talk about um, compassion, I think. Okay. I think that's what I would like to talk about, Chuck. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts Am about I, compassion? I, what, dear? What are your thoughts about compassion, Stephanie? Well, I just believe we need to show it and act on it. Uh, I have a mother who is being um, degraded by my younger brother, in New Jersey, who is um, being compromised, I believe in standing up for what is right. Black lives, white lives, you know, yeah. I really do. Yeah. And I'm so tired of the, the, the discompassion that's going on in the world. Yeah, well, actually, I, I am too. I, I, I actually am. I can uh, tell. Yeah. I can tell. Yeah, I'm, 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 there's a lot of things that are pretty sad. That's why I was talking, trying to talk about, you know, maybe there's something we can talk about that, that lifts everybody well, up a bit. <laughs> you were just preaching on the radio, and I loved everything you said, and Thank I you. agree with everything you said, well, my that, friend. That's so nice. So one, of the, one of the ways I like to think about this is that sometimes when life feels like, you know, it's just upside down and, and impossible, yeah. Um, yeah. We try, you know, one of the things you try and do is, is offer a little kindness to yourself. You know, it's it's kind of like I remember, I like the metaphor, mm. I like metaphors, and one of the metaphors that really works for me about this is, 
you know, if you're sitting mm-hmm. beside your, you know, a child, uh, you know, a young child on an airplane, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, yes. The, and the flight attendant tells you that, hey, if the oxygen mask drops, put on the oxygen mask. Exactly. Put it on yourself first. Because, because if you if you pass out, you're not going to be able to help your child. That's right, brother. That's right. And yeah. so I think maybe Stephanie, you know, it sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on, and maybe one of the things. That, yeah, I do. I do. I do. You know, you want to take a little time off for you, <laughs> and you know, and, and, and treat yourself with some kindness. I, honestly, I just listening to you, you got a lot of things that are you know upside down in your life. It sounds like. Yes. But you sound yes. like somebody who really cares about others and. And so, I do, indeed. Always have, always do. I'm an elderly care worker. Mm-hmm. I care for the elderly. Yeah. To support them in their duress and their demise and their death, I should say. It's yeah. very difficult, but I handle it, and I love it. And my, my little boy, 31 years old, is in Bridgeport Correctional. Sorry, yeah. Is Mickey still on the air, Mickey? Uh, Mickey's Mickey, room? Uh, Mickey actually passed away recently. Which oh, very sad. no, yeah. Yeah. brother. Yeah, she just went into hospice, and then God, we just we, we just all heard about that within the I'm last so week. Sorry. Or so. I'm so sorry. So yeah. Harry Mine is a friend of mine. Um, Mick Javier is a friend of mine. Well. Um, now you are another friend of mine as uh, well. But, thank you, uh, Stephanie. I love the community. I'm so – have you guys moved to um, – down by the Bijou yet? No, uh, it's. I was just talking to the general manager. It's going to happen within, I, I think, l- probably mid to late September, Steve was telling me. Okay, sure. All right. Well, listen, I just want to send my regards to you. Thank you so much. And how much you have lifted me today. I needed this so bad. I just came from oncology at Nimilford Hospital. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm dealing with cancer and uh, an addict child and whatnot, but... Uh, I needed your uplifting. You gave it to me, and I am sincerely grateful. That's a wonderful message for me, too. I'm really glad if I can be helpful to people. And Thank you, I appreciate Jeff. you Thank making you. the call. Thanks, Stephanie. Bye-bye, dear. You Bye-bye. take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, so I was talking about um, peeling back the onion. And, you know, it's really interesting when you peel back an onion, of course, you get to the core. But what is the core and why am I using it as a metaphor? So for me, it's like if you see a behavior, and again, I I look at some of my own behaviors, and frankly, there are a few that I still haven't figured out (laughs) that I need to change. So if you're out there and you haven't changed all the the bad ones to good ones, you're certainly not alone. But but it does help to have this model. And, And certainly, at least in some cases, I've been able to change behaviors that are sustainable for myself and help others with the same. And that is the idea that if a behavior is making no sense, and yet you keep doing it, or I keep doing it, or you see other people doing it. You know, one of the ones that's typical these days, and it makes no sense at all, is people looking at their phones when they're driving, whether it's to text or, or, or to dial a number or something. I mean, and yet, I can't tell you that, you know, you see a lot of people, they look certainly intelligent, <laughs> and yet they're looking at their phones. And what's that about? How crazy is that? Or if you know you're going to be out in the scorching sun for several hours at the beach and you don't put any sunscreen on. And you might say the same thing's true for people that haven't been vaccinated. I'm not sure I want to go there. But, but the idea is, like, why aren't people doing what seems like it makes great rational sense? And the answer, folks, in my mind at least, is in part two layers deep. The, first, the next layer behind the behavior is the self-talk. What are we saying to ourselves when we're doing these things? What kind of crazy things are we saying to ourselves when we're, doing, when we're not putting on sunscreen or we're, not, or we're overeating or overdrinking or taking too many drugs? Or, you know, Stephanie just said she has an addict. What, what goes on in an addict's mind? You know, for, what, what are we saying to ourselves before we know we do what's impossible to survive and yet we do it to ourselves? What's wrong with us? Well, it's certainly not about rationality. And the talk that we got in our head is crazy talk, the things we're saying to ourselves when we're doing those things. And yet behind those words, those self-talk, those words in our head, is this idea that we're feeling something. We're always feeling things. We're always feeling something, but we don't always know or are in touch with what the feelings are, and we're not always thinking about our feelings. Uh, unless our feelings are overwhelming, and that can be joyful, too. It can be, we, we can be ecstatic, Right. But we also become incredibly depressed or lonely or angry or enraged. I mean, some of the stuff you see, 
some crazy stuff happened on road rage recently that was in the news. Of course, we got these cycles of news that they're looking for any content. So you hear from all over wherever anything horrible happens, you, you know, the news is going to capture it because it's an idea. You know, it grabs eyeballs, right? And that's what people want. They want they want the clicks if they're on social media. They, so they say that you know, some crazy things, and you know, yeah. Honestly, even though I know all that, I still get attracted to it on occasion too. But most of the time, I'm pretty much at this point able to avoid just picking on things that are sensational but really not meaningful in my own life. But if you're trying to change behaviors, and we were talking again about this equity, diversity, and inclusion, and accessibility, and how do we get people to think differently, to feel differently, and most importantly, actually to behave differently. So it goes back to the feelings. That's at the core of the onion in my metaphor anyway. And those feelings, whatever those feelings are, when they come up inside of us and we're feeling whatever it is we're feeling and it's driving crazy self-talk and then problematic behaviors, the idea of a rational, logical discussion to try and talk somebody out of doing something that they already know is wrong is not going to change anything. It doesn't change anything. It might get temporary change because they're afraid of consequences. They may fear incarceration. They may fear some kind of punishment. They may fear loss of a relationship. Um, you know, so there's, there's reasons why we might comply, but that compliance is just that. It's compliance. It's not something we really want for ourselves that's sustainable and will only, and as a result, it will only last a short time typically. So what happens when we realize, hey, wait, this is all being driven by feelings that we're having? Well, what are those feelings? Well, for me, one of them that I have a problem with sometimes is eating at night when I shouldn't. And so when the feeling pops up, when the feeling pops up that says, you know, you want to go to the pantry to get something, but you're not really hungry. I'm saying to myself, right? not really hungry. And yet here I go walking to the pantry. I know this is wrong. Well, I'll only have a couple of these. Well, then I sit back down and I, well, maybe I'll just have a couple more. <laughs> can you see yourself saying things like that to yourself? Anyway, uh, for me, uh, I can, these are things that happen and this, this one I haven't beat. You know, there are moments and times and even months sometimes when I'll beat it, but it just keeps coming back. It's kind of like a fallback. Sometimes if i just not ready to go to bed and I stay up late, something about sugar just is an attraction for me. So what do I need to say to myself? What are the words I want to say to myself? And when the feeling pops up, what can I do different? In other words, if I know this feeling's going to come up at night. By the way, this isn't true just about bad habits. This is also true about triggers in your life. One of the neat things about the Emotion Roadmap is what triggers us? Well, I mean, Stephanie's call, you know, obviously a number of things, something her brother might do relative to her mother or younger brother she was concerned about. Um, is there some way that when her younger brother does something obnoxious that she doesn't allow herself to be triggered the same way it sounds like she is now when it happens? Is there some way to be more dismissive saying, I'm not going to let his antics, his childlike behavior, his immaturity, his disrespect, whatever, however you want to frame it, cause me to be upset anymore. That's who he is. He's going to do those things, but I'm not going to be triggered by it anymore. Well, what do I do different? When the feeling begins to bubble up, it, to me, it's like the emotion roadmap. It speaks to what pathway do we go down? When we get triggered, we usually go down the same path. Again, a trigger is the idea of a trigger is something that um, somebody says something to you and you react the same way as if somebody tapped you on the knee. And it's not a good thing, though. It's not a good reflex. It's a negative behavior that results. And when you see yourself getting triggered and going down a negative into a negative conversation, sometimes, for instance, if I'm tired, I know this happens sometimes in my own life with my own lovely wife who's a wonderful person but you know if she says something and it's like i feel like um she can't find something and somehow it's my fault that she can't find it it might be just she's just looking for it and she says did you do you remember did you have it at all did you put it someplace and i'll feel like are you accusing me <laughs> and it's not necessarily an accusation at all she's just looking for something but you know that's what i mean by a trigger you know so it's like if you get triggered by things 
and you know you're going to get triggered by him, how do you get off that path before you go down that same road and make that same statement that causes a conflict and just escalates whatever might be happening? How do you avoid that? How do you avoid that? What are some things you can do different when it shows up? How can you emotionally plan to do something different the next time the trigger goes off? You don't have to behave the same way. Now, maybe you can even change the feelings, and sometimes we can. Sometimes, if it, it, once in a while, to me, one of my favorite strategies is if I can, you know, just kind of laugh about it. Oh, okay, here we go again, and just smile to myself. It changes everything. If I can change the feeling to something more lighthearted or just different in some way that feels better and is more helpful to me, that's a gift if I can figure out how to change the feelings. But sometimes feelings can change. Sometimes feelings can change. Um, you know, one of my good friends, um, their daughter's got um, serious illness. We just found out it's not gone away. And, um, and so... I, there's no way not to feel grieving around this. This is this is a, incredibly sad, and yet I don't want to be consumed by it, and yet I want to be empathetic and sympathetic, and to the degree it's at all possible, helpful. How do we do that? How do we make ourselves whole, emotionally whole, and balanced, and helpful, and compassionate, like Stephanie said? We've well, got time for one call if anybody else wants to call in, 203 Three three six nine seven five six two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. I'll give you a minute. Two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. Well, I'll go back to this uh, idea of equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility this panel that I participated in. By the way, I was really pleased and proud to be a member of the panel, and it was done in McGill University. And if you haven't heard about it, it's one of the best universities in Canada. And um, as a young kid, when I was first starting to think about going to college, I actually would have really loved to have gone to McGill. It was one of the choices I had. Uh, I, was, I was not poor, poor, but I was relatively poor. And, uh, you know, I, my folks could help me out with the... Uh, first year in college and that was pretty much it and then uh, everything else was on my own on loans so going to mcgill and living there was not in the cards for me but i got the, i got asked to be a part of their panel and it was hosted by mcgill university it was really um i felt, I felt really proud to be a part of it hi this is chuck you're on the air who am i talking to please hi chuck this is jim hi jim thanks for um, calling the uh i have a question on post-traumatic stress syndrome uh -huh. that a good friend and I worked as military contractors. Uh -huh. We saw the exact same things, you know, worked side by side. Never bothered me. He has such terrible PTSD. Are there any theories of why it affects somebody so bad and... You know, I mean, myself, I never had nightmares. I never, you know, the past is the past and that's it. Yeah, Jim, I, I think there are a number of theories. Uh, I don't know that anything's proven conclusively and it's really hard because there, these are not research-based in the sense that you went back and you studied kids from early ages and then saw who got, who got impacted by post-traumatic stress in ways that people who were co-workers of theirs or co colleagues of theirs and if it was a wartime event or whatever it might have been, um, didn't. And so you don't really have the research that's based on the, you know, the best kinds of research, but there's observational data. And, you know, so what does it go back to? I mean, I think one of the things you can be thankful for, and I don't know what, you know, if you are thankful for it, but is whatever happened to you in childhood. I mean, part of it is genetic, I think. So it's partly what you're, you know, what you're predisposed to, but it's also a lot to do with the experiences I think you have. And so maybe you were raised to be more self-confident, more resilient and hardy in the way that you address things. And this other person, 
you know, somewhere there was there was problems that were unresolved, un, you know, unsolvable, and kind of he carried through with them, and they didn't show up until he was impacted in this way by this horrible event, whatever he experienced. So I, I think those are the kind of theoretical models that are out there. But the question always for me is, so what? The question more for me is, what do you do for it when you experience it and going forward? That, but it, but yeah. I, I think I, I at least I tried to answer your question. Yeah, because it, I know the one of the therapists he talks to even went in and talked to me, and you know he couldn't believe I wasn't affected by what we went through, and you know something you said did make sense. Of you know I was brought up of. You took a flop, you got up. My mother looked at me, say, well, no blood, no brain matter, go. (laughs) And, and, you know, basically, that's how I've lived my life of if I make it through it, all well and good. It's uh, interesting, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I was really surprised, though, of, you know, it seemed the therapist couldn't understand how we went through these things and, it didn't adversely affect me. And, you know, I I couldn't tell them either. <laughs> it just, it never did. It's the past. And, you know, what happened 10 minutes ago happened 10 minutes ago. Doesn't well, bother me now. I'll tell you one other thing, uh, Jim, that's interesting. And then I got to go because, you know, the hour's over. But uh, I really thank you for the call also. But uh, one of the things that's really intriguing is that some years ago when I started working with um, the people that created this mayor Salve Crucial Emotional Intelligence Test, it tests your emotional abilities. And that's another factor in this. So some people, you can use this test. It's called the Mesquite. And it measures your abilities. And if you score high on managing emotions, chances are, I'm guessing, I don't know this from research, but I'm guessing because it is a real skill set, how well some people manage emotions. And it's on a bell curve in terms of how the population plays out on this. So some are competent, decent competent. Some are really highly successful at managing their emotions, their own emotions. And some are really poor at it. And if somebody's really poor at it and put in a very stressful, you know, circumstance where they experience these things, then maybe they're also going to be people that are going to post, they're going to have post-traumatic stress syndromes where others may not. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, that's all I got. I got to go because I'm running out of time here. Thanks so much, Jim, for the call. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. All right. So I'm going to say sign off. You've been listening to WPKN. And... uh, This is uh, 89.5 FM. You've been listening to Chuck Wolf, and this is the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And that really is an interesting question about why do certain people struggle emotionally with some things that others don't in the ways that, you know, show up as like post-traumatic stress syndrome. And I think I'm right about if you, whatever you can to build your, um, the, if you will, mental health immune system for your children by helping to reinforce their self-concepts. Um, that's a really important thing for them to carry forward all the way through to their adult life. Um, so hopefully that, that's helpful. I'll talk a little bit about more next time when I'm on. Thanks, everybody. Again, you've been listening to Chuck Wolf. This is the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And I'm here the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 noon to 1.